Welcome to the Neighborhood Realtor Podcast with me, your host, Matt Muscat. This is a podcast for real estate industry professionals who are doers. Each episode will feature an interview with a top producer or someone who's doing things differently in an exciting way. For those who already know me or have read my books or blogs, my brand of marketing is tangible and repeatable because smart salespeople don't need to reinvent the wheel. My promise to you is that in each episode, you'll leave with one tangible idea that you can take to the bank. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to our most recent episode. Today, we have an awesome guest. I actually found this agent randomly on Instagram. Instagram must have thought that we needed to connect because his videos were so viral that they reached all the way from the Carolinas to Michigan, where I'm located. So Josh Tucker, welcome to the show today. Absolutely, man. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So you have kind of a wild story, fast-paced story, I should say. You started out in NASCAR and made your way to selling $30 million in luxury real estate. So I just kind of want you to tell your story first so that people kind of know what they're getting into with your episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I started up kind of in the Midwest area, close to you in Indiana is where I was born and raised and lived there and, uh, you know, my, my entire life until I came to uh, North Carolina and came down here in, in 2002. So I've been here for a little over 20 years now. And I, I spent my first 13, 12 or 13 years here in NASCAR. Uh, so I was on the mechanical side of NASCAR, uh, was in a position called a car chief. And um, it was a lot of fun. And that, that industry just kind of uh, has a shelf life on it. So after so many years, there's always somebody younger that's faster and, and more willing to do it than you. And uh, so I, I knew that I had to find a good exit strategy out of NASCAR. And, and uh, so dove into real estate full time starting in 2014. So it's been... Tell me about it. So like you, you were in NASCAR and then of all the millions of careers out there, had you known someone that had successfully transitioned into real estate or like what gave you the idea that that was the next step? Or did you have an interest? Like wh- where is that transition? Yeah. So I, so I didn't know anyone that had successfully transitioned and that's what made me want to do it. Because I figured, well, yeah. you know, it, there's got to be a niche there if, if nobody has jumped out of NASCAR and, and done it, there's, there's got to be an opportunity. So I explored a lot of professions and, and landed on real estate by happenstance, I would say. I looked at a lot of different things and real estate was one of the areas where I, I felt that I could use a lot of my connections in the NASCAR industry positively. Uh, and I knew, you know, I just spent 11 or 12 years uh, building relationships with all these people. So I knew whatever I did outside of NASCAR, I wanted to involve them. And, um, you know, it, real estate just made sense. I love that. And I think the big takeaway for people out there is it, you don't have to just work with NASCAR or the NBA or some like huge group of like na- a national group. You can take whatever skills and assets that you've accrued in your past career and figure out a way to apply it to a new career. In this case, real estate, because that's what everyone that listens to this show does. But I think too many people start a new career in real estate and they just abandon everything that they worked so hard to build in their former career, where as we know, it, the assets are huge. I mean, that social capital you built up and that trust you built up, that did come with you when you got into real estate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, right, uh, real estate's a relationship business. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, it, as much as we hear a lot of hype about all the newest technology and, and AI and all these cool things that are taking over real estate, you know, I, I think those are great things to uh, be aware of and to do your research on and to use to your benefit. But at the end of the day, Real estate's a relationship business and, and you have to be a social person. And like I said, I spent a long time building relationships with some incredible people in the sports you know, industry and, and within NASCAR and uh, knew that I wanted to um, you know, continue those relationships outside of that industry. So, 
I love that. So you you primarily sell a lot in the Carolina coastal area. You do a ton in Lake Norman. I think I read online that you were like, you'd sold the number one most expensive listing in the Lake Norman area. Was that, how long into your career did it take you to be kind, to kind of establish that luxury dominance in your local market? Because I think everyone, everyone that I've ever talked to in real estate wants to be luxury and they all want to be the number one for luxury. But obviously you kind of have to live in that, in those lanes to do so, but also it does not happen overnight. So walk us through your, your progression on that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we, the most expensive resale at the lake, seven and a half million. I, I did represent the seller on it. So I brought that home to the market and uh, we sold that in 2020. So I was about six years in the business. Um, before we hit that record, I, I had already been, you know, selling some luxury real estate prior to that. Um, you know, it took me a few years. My first few years was really just building up, you know, just, just letting people know who I am and trying to get out there. Even though you come into the business with all these great relationships, people want to, you know, see that you're capable of doing it and see results before they entrust you with selling a multi-million dollar house. So it took yeah. a little while to build up that trust, but um, I'd say three or four years, I, I really started building my average price point uh, and, and, you know, have, have been fortunate enough over the last three or four years to sell, uh, like you said, some of the, some of the biggest and, and nicest homes on the lake here. So. So how did you, how did you get your, like when you started, right? Like, was anyone using you for anything like lower price point stuff? Or I mean, obviously your family had to eat a little bit um, and not just live off of the savings. What, how did you get business in those early years? Obviously you had a network. Yeah. So, so luckily I had a network. I didn't have any family. So, you know, I think early on in real estate, you know, it's kind of ingrained in you to, you know, use your family, use, you know, you got to have a, a parent or a cousin or aunt or uncle or somebody that's looking to buy yourself. I don't have any family in North Carolina. So that wasn't an option for me, but I did, I did have a pretty good network of people, you know, so I, I got licensed and, and started full-time in 14. I didn't have a for my first sale for about five or six months. So it took me a little while, and my first sale was was a NASCAR contact. It was a, it was a mechanic in NASCAR, and we sold his house back in 2014 for I think 165 thousand dollars. So um, probably worth a million bucks today, right? Like he's calling you, like yeah, same yeah, thing, right? Yeah, um, but yeah. So I mean, I you know, I mean, it, it literally started from the bottom, selling 150 to 200 thousand dollar houses, and uh, just just kept on working my way up. The one thing that I did early on, I always knew I kind of wanted to be in this luxury niche, just like, you know, like you said, a lot of people want to. Um, I made a valid effort early on to always portray myself, my marketing, my personal brand as a luxury brand. So to me, luxury isn't always about the price point. It's about a level of service and about the the content and the marketing that you put out there. Um, so I think you can, you can start by selling in today's market, $300,000 houses. And if you're marketing platform and the content that you put out and the branding that you put out has a luxurious look and a feel and you provide a luxurious level of, of uh, client experience that it's much easier to up that average price point and, and really break into the high end world. Well, and that's such a great point because I know you do a lot with social media and social media, you can, you can spend a lot of money on it. Like I don't want to sugarcoat that, but, or I don't want to over overlook that, but really an agent who has more time than money can put more time into their social media to make their stuff look a little bit more luxurious and the templates out there, right? You can literally go on Instagram, follow Josh Tucker. You can follow 20 other luxury agents, no matter what market you're in in the country, whether you're in a market like mine, where the average price is 340 or you're somewhere where the average price is a million, as long as there are great photos, you can come up with some great marketing based on templates on Canva 
and a variety of other websites. And I think that's a huge opportunity that other people need to realize. If you can't, if your own marketing as a realtor doesn't look luxury and professional, you're never going to pick up that business. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, I think it's a very important to hire the best photographer, even for your $340,000 listing. If you have to pay three, four, five, six hundred $600 for, you know, the best photographer, that, the best photos that you can get, spend the money, you know, same with videography. You know, if you're, if you're doing video on a $400,000 house, hire the best videographer that shoots in 4k that has, you know, all the best tools and, and the best editing team and can produce incredible content. And like you said, the templates and the opportunities are out there. You know, you don't have to spend a lot of money uh, outside of generating the content um, to, to get it pushed out there on Instagram. And people love to see it. They want to see it. So I want to actually echo something that our last guest said. He was an agent out of Maryland. It's the exact same thing you just said, but with different words. So I want to make sure people get it because if two top agents are saying the same thing, this is a big deal. So he said he always puts a full amount of effort and money into every single listing. Because that listing is ammunition and marketing to get the next listing. So every time he lists, he sells, he goes to the next listing appointment with the entire an entire thumb drive or an entire Google drive of every single thing he did to get that home sold. And most agents, when they go to a listing appointment, they do the same presentation over again. They don't change it up with recent examples. But when you when you do great marketing, you can use that as your advantage the next time. And I think too many people forget that. And then they just use whatever PowerPoint presentation their broker gave them when they first got into the business. And that doesn't serve them very well. That's right. That's right. No, you're right. So yep, I, agree. I see you doing a ton of marketing on social media and you just mentioned the reels. So how your reels seem like they all get thousands of views, which I love. You're not doing a hundred a week like I see some agents doing, but you're, the ones you are doing are super quality. Um, walk, walk us through your strategy on social media, um, as well as I know you mentioned before, that you've actually closed quite a bit off social media in the last year. So walk us through kind of social for your, for your team. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm probably the exact opposite of what a social media coach or, or, you know, marketing guru might tell you to do. Uh, you know, the, there's that old adage, that old rule that 80% of your social media should be personal and 20% should be business. If you look at my social media, hundred percent is business. Um, you know, so so I do things a little bit different. It's worked for me. Uh, you know, I, I tend to share uh, fewer things. Uh, so I don't like you said. I'm not putting. You know, I'm not posting every day. Uh, I'm not. You know, doing numerous reels a day. I might do one or two, but what I put out is very good quality. Uh, and then I and I do try to do stories every day, and I try to make that more personal. You know, so I do my Tuesday talks. I just did it last night, where you know I allow all my my followers to ask me questions. They can be real estate related. They can be personal. They can be travel, lifestyle. Uh, they can make comments, statements, whatever they want to do. And then I respond to those you know, questions on my stories. So I get a lot of engagement there. Um, and, so you know, okay, so let's, let's talk about this because this sounds like a great idea. So you're going and doing a live story? Yeah, it's not live. It's uh, So I, I post a story in the morning on every Tuesday. I, I post a story in the morning. I have the question box on there with Instagram. Uh, and, and I just say, you know, hey, it's time for Tuesday talk. Start asking questions, uh, real estate, lifestyle, travel, personal, whatever you want. And we kind of sift through them. And we usually get late in the afternoon, early evening, and we start answering. And I, I record those as a live video uh, and put it on my story. And I usually answer all questions. You post the question just kind of as like a static post, static story post or static post. Yep. And then you receive the answers 
or the questions that people submit, and then you answer those on video. That's right. Yep. And it's just a video to my story. So it's all on stories. And it, it is highlighted on my page as well. It's called Tuesday Talk Q&A. So people can go back and rewatch it. Holds up to 100 of them. So there's 100 of them. The most recent 100 are on there now. People can go watch it and kind of get the understanding of it. But we do that every Tuesday. And, and I mean, there's Tuesdays, I think just yesterday, for instance, I think I had 170 questions asked. Wow. Yeah, I only answered 11 because it's time consuming. Um, yeah. A lot of them are kind of duplicated questions and things like that, but uh, people love it. You know, they love the engagement. They love the. I know you said like lifestyle, travel, real estate. Like, what kinds of questions are you getting the most of? At best, best East Coast beaches to vacation to. I get a lot of okay. questions about real estate, my personal real estate business. Uh, I get a lot of questions from people wanting to break into real estate and asking for hmm. advice. I get a lot of questions from people wanting to join my team. Um, so I get a lot of that kind of stuff, but then I do get, you know, lifestyle questions. I get travel questions. I get, um, a lot of comments from people that, you know, I've traveled to Lake Norman or vacationed here and loved it. Uh, want recommendations on restaurants, things like that. So they're really all over the place. When I love that because that really also all relates back to the luxury lifestyle, right? So when I think of luxury, I think of travel, leisure, more leisure time. I think of great restaurants. So it's great because you're engaging with your audience at a higher level on other topics that relate to luxury. If I think of Josh or you or anyone as a luxury restaurateur or as a luxury person to go to for travel advice, I'm also thinking of you as a luxury expert in all things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of that blanket effect that, that people can earn. So whatever niche you have out there, make sure you're engaging with people in, in similar niches. That's right. Because um, so I think that's such a fun idea. Now, when you're doing, you've done a really great job with some of your kind of like walkthroughs of houses. Mm -hmm. Um, And I noticed that they all seem to get a ton of views. But, you know, most of the time I see agents doing house walkthroughs and and they just fall flat. I mean, are you like attaching them to trending audio or how are you how are you really getting the obviously you have a lot of followers. So that helps. How are you uh, how are you putting those together so that they do so well? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of research on Instagram too, and seeing kind of what's trending. You're exactly right. We're we're attaching it to trending audio, um, and and you know, sometimes we're editing those walkthroughs. We're doing speed ramps. We're slowing things down to slow motion in some situations. A lot of the times, it's not a continuous walkthrough, so it might be several clips that are kind of stitched together. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of different things. Uh, it, it just you know, and a lot of it's trial and error. See what works. You might. I might post one and get, you know, six or eight or 10,000 views. And and then I post something a little different of the same house with some different audio and I get a million views, right? So it's, so then you learn from that one and you say, okay, people loved to see that. So let's do more like that and less like the other. So it's kind of a learning process, but um, we've, we've done a little bit of everything over the last few years. I love that. So I mean, when you're researching the trending audio side of things, are you just going on Instagram going to add the music and then looking to see what it lists below is trending or are you, you have a, a resource, a Google, a website off Google that you use? What are, how are you finding those tracks? Yep. I'm, I'm doing it all through Instagram. So I, I have had a lot of people tell me about apps that you can download and, and different, you know, websites that you can go to that will help you identify some of them trending music. So I just always look for the up arrow on Instagram. Uh, okay. It shows that it's trending. And, and use that. And, you know, Instagram recently implemented their own templates too, which I've had tremendous success for. I had, I, I did a eight second reel with an Instagram template about maybe two months ago, and it's up to 1.2 million 
uh, views and, and I think 100,000 likes and hundreds and hundreds of comments. Um, and, and it's an eight second long video on an Instagram template. And you, it, they make it pretty simple because the music's already picked out. You upload you know, three, four or five videos of certain uh, lengths and it times out with the audio that, that you've chosen and, and uh, it's pretty easy to do so. And now a message from our sponsors. The Neighborhood Realtor is made possible by the generous support of Treadstone Funding and Neighborhood Loans. With locations all over the U.S., Neighborhood Loans believes in doing mortgages better, faster, smarter, and creating personal relationships with their clients and realtors. So this is fascinating because I've been kind of talking about a version of this for 10 years. And the idea is that anytime a social media platform releases a new tool, there's always like a ridiculous bonus for early adopters to use that tool, right? So like when Facebook came out with Facebook Live, you would get thousands of views just for doing any shitty video. Mm-hmm. And now it's Instagram templates. So Josh, let's let's dive deeper on this one because I think anyone could anyone could in theory do this, whether they could do it as good as you is another story. But when you go on Instagram, where do you find the Instagram pre-built templates? Reels is that just clicking on a reels? Uh, if I click on a reels, where do I go from there? Yeah, so if you click on a reel and and then click on the audio for that reel, okay. usually if it's a trending audio, it'll say up in the upper left hand corner on on the audios page on Instagram, it'll say template. And oh, okay. Click on that and say use this template, it'll actually bring up video upload boxes at the bottom, and you simply upload videos from your phone. Some of them are as short as you know. Three videos. Some of them are multiple videos that are 0.1 second each video. Uh, so there's there's different variations of it, but they're all there. I love that. I absolutely love that. Whatever the newest tools are, we have to have to use those. Um, so I also wanted to talk a little bit about your engagement with people on social. So obviously, I think you mentioned on the phone earlier, how much business do you think you actually have you closed off of social in 2022 and early 23? So 2022, I did a little over 11 million um, from Instagram. Well, I guess it was Instagram and TikTok. Uh, you know, TikTok is tougher because they can't really message you on TikTok unless you're both yeah. following each other. Versus on Instagram, people can message me even if I don't follow them. And as long as I'm looking for those messages and find them messages, we can we can have a conversation. So some people find me on TikTok and then they message me on Instagram and they'll say, "Hey, I found yeah. you on TikTok." And um, but yeah, it, w- it was 11 million, a little over 11, like 11.2 million last year in 2022. I, love it. I mean, those are real, those are real numbers. I mean, that's over $300,000 in commission. I think sometimes agents start using social, but because they don't track exactly what the last communication event was that led to a client reaching out, they're not able to ascribe and assign that value to it. And then they kind of give up. And so knowing your numbers and knowing where something actually came from and what that was worth in your pocket is a huge motivator to continue to do it, right? I mean, as soon as you get that first big closing of social, all of a sudden you can reinvest more time mentally into social because you know it works. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, don't don't get caught up in and you know the belief that it's it's all younger crowd on on social, especially on Instagram and TikTok. You know, I mean, I I had a, a mid fifties person find me on TikTok and reached out to me on Instagram, and they had a four million dollar house on the lake, and we sold their house. And, and they found me on TikTok, you know, and they're in their mid 50s. So, you know, I think it, the business is out there. Um, you just got to go after it. Well, it's also fascinating because, I mean, people typically think of social media as like that, like time waster thing. It still has that reputation. Yep. But the other side of that is people that have more leisure time do tend to have more time for social media. Yep. Now, obviously, a lot of people with money work very hard. 
but many people like us have to be on social media for work anyways. So it can, there's some real benefit there, which I love. Yeah. Now you don't just rely on social media. You also do some past client or some, sorry, I'm trying to stop saying past client. You do some current clients, closed client marketing. What are you doing for, to keep your people engaged with you and to keep yourself top of mind? Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely, I mean, I would say out of my marketing budget, social media is probably the least spent. It is what I spend the least on. I, I get probably the biggest ROI on social, but I spend the least money there. Um, love we do a lot of print marketing, obviously luxury print marketing, magazine marketing, uh, and then for client retention, you know, we, I do things a little bit different. I, I send out kind of quarterly random gifts, uh, to, to clients. I don't really like to call them past clients. I tell them once yeah. you're a client of mine, you're a client for life. But so we, so when you say quarterly gift, quarterly gifts, let's, I want to go deeper on that for a sec. So does every client at a certain level, VIP, whatever, get a quarterly gift or are you finding a gift and thinking like, Oh, this would be cool for that client and you buy it and then you give it to that one person. Yeah. How does that work? That's exactly what's the, right. what's yeah. the structure. Yeah. Every client doesn't, every client over a certain price point doesn't get a gift every quarter. I send okay. gifts out quarterly to random clients and, and a lot of it's just, you know, kind of on the, you know, spur of the moment, I might be shopping and see something that, that really makes me think of a, of a client and I say, I'm getting that for them. Sometimes it's experiences um, you know, I recently sent three clients, uh, uh, kind of a private chef experience with a local chef here in our area. That's very well known where he's going to go and cook for them at their house. And, and, and people love that kind of stuff because that creates an experience. It's not a physical item that they, you know, will just put in a drawer and forget about. Uh, it, it kind of creates a lasting experience that they'll talk about it at their dinner table with their friends for years to come. So I do a lot of that. Well, and, and. Like when you're working with luxury people, they tend to just buy everything they want anyway. That's right. right? Yeah. Like, they don't need more coffee mugs and, and all that kind of stuff. They have all that, right? So get them an experience that, that will create. They don't, want, they don't want your coffee mug. Right. Yeah. Bro, they don't want your pie. They don't want your coffee they mug. Words or nothing. They don't, they don't want all that stuff. Right. For my, for my birthday this year, uh, we're huge foodies and we've been to about every restaurant in our city. We've been to half the best places in Chicago, which is the closest big city to us. Yep. And my wife had our eight best friends over for a private chef, eight course meal that featured my favorite secret ingredient and then had a sommelier do a wine pairing. And I'm like, oh, my God, best birthday ever, because I couldn't have done that on my own. It would have right. had to have been booked eight months out, planned meticulously. Yep. And I didn't have to do anything. That's right. I mean, when, when you get people gifts that are experiences that they couldn't just book for themselves easily, and that's that's money. Yep. Regardless of like whatever whatever niche you're in luxury or something else, like I think there's a way to do that. Right. Like maybe your clients are first time home buyers and a private chef dinner doesn't make sense. Maybe they need a babysitter for the night. That's right. If you have no money. Why don't you show up and babysit their kids while they're, while they're like doing moving day or something? Absolutely. Send them a date box after closing. I hate, I don't do closing gifts. I don't really like closing gifts because I, I don't think it's the right time to give a gift. It's a stressful time. You lost in the shuffle. But yeah. It's a stressful time. You got stuff everywhere. You got movers in and out. You you know, it's, so it don't become memorable at that point. But, you know, people selling a three, four dollars $400,000 house, you know, two months after closing, send them a date box, right? Send them a $100 gift card to, you know, a, a good steakhouse or something. Send them a, a you know, a, something for a babysitter uh, that'll watch the kids and, and, and maybe a, a movie, you know, that the, the babysitter can pop in. And so the kids can watch that. They're entertained. The, the parents get to go out and have a date night. They'll, they'll love that stuff. I think, I mean, I think a huge message I'm getting from this episode already is you need to lead with experience, right? Like whether you're luxury or not, if you lead your marketing, 
your your current client marketing, your closed client marketing, your social media, everything with experience, it sells. Experience is selling. I love that. Yeah. So Josh, if someone wanted to refer to you, an agent out there has a client moving to the Carolinas, how do they get in touch with you? What, what's the process like? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would tell anybody, if you're a realtor, it should not be hard to get in touch with you. <laughs> your, your branding and your marketing and your contact info should be everywhere, right? But you can be uh, a secret agent. Yeah, I can't be a secret agent. But I'm Josh Tucker underscore realtor on TikTok and Instagram. Instagram is usually the easiest because you can message. I watch all my messages. So even if people don't follow me, if they send me a message and it shows up in, in the you know additional messages, um, I read all that stuff. So that's a good way. They can obviously find my phone number, my email address anywhere by, by Googling or searching my name. Uh, but Instagram is, is, you know, very easy for me. So. That's awesome. And I, I also know that you are a huge supporter of your local humane society. Walk us through that. And, you know, if someone listening to the show picks up a million dollar luxury listing off of your advice, you know, could they make a donation? Would that be appropriate? Tell me about, tell me about your charity. Yeah, absolutely. Like normanhumane.org is our website. I'm a I'm president of the board of directors, so I don't I don't have a day to day, you know, operational duties to the facility. We have magnificent staff and and um, employees there that run the day to day of the company. The board of directors' job is kind of oversee at a thirty thousand uh, foot view, but um, you know, I've been on that I've been on that board since two thousand fifteen and and started serving as the president two thousand nineteen. And uh, very passionate about animals. It's a great facility. We we you know privately raised a little over $3 million to build a new facility in 2019. And uh, we rescue well over a thousand animals a year. So it's uh, near and dear to my heart. And, and I enjoy it a lot. When probably also a group, not to like downplay the, the, the philanthropic side, but probably a great way to network and meet people in your community also who have, who have similar interests, love animals, love your community. Yeah. I've, I've done, you know, tens of millions of dollars of, of real estate business with people on the board and, uh, people that volunteer there, people that serve on committees, uh, things like that. I don't, I don't do it for that reason, but, but naturally, uh, once you get to know the people and they know what I do, I know what they do. We become friends. We build that relationship, and it has definitely led to business for sure. Such a huge point. I think everyone out there needs to understand. It's not just about you know. There's a lot of great people out there who are philanthropic who donate their money, but I find that when you donate your time and you get involved on the board, you volunteer, and you really like do it for the right reasons, other people see that and you make some seriously awesome connections. Mm-hmm. You never know where or when that value is going to pop up. But if you're in real estate, if you're in mortgages and sales, it, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like why not help others? Cause it helps you. Yeah. So Josh, I love our conversation today. Cannot wait for this episode to go live. Thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, Matt. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. Glad to be on. Thanks for listening. And a huge thank you to our sponsors, Neighborhood Loans and Treadstone Mortgage. With offices around the U.S., their loan officers offer a realtor-centric focus, personal communication from real humans, plus on-time closings that frankly are faster than most of the mortgage companies. Want to be connected to a great LO? Message me, your host, for more information, and I will connect you with a loan officer in your neighborhood. Want more marketing tips? Check out my book on Amazon, TAG, The Tangible Action Guide for Real Estate Marketing. And finally, if you want to support the show and hear even better guests, leave us a review on the podcast platform that you listen on.